welcome to Unraveling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Today's show is a second Eclipse special, a continuation of the Eclipse special that we had a couple of weeks ago. That was a solar eclipse at the new moon, and this time at the full moon there's a lunar eclipse in Taurus. In fact, you may have seen it. And it's the partner of the solar eclipse in Scorpio. Often eclipses come in pairs, but not always, as I recently discovered. I knew sometimes they came in threes, but apparently there's sometimes some one-offs. Now, energetically, eclipses are said to be a realignment with destiny. Uh, And there's a whole rabbit hole that you could go down here that I won't today. But I felt that after the last panel that we had on power and ethics, wanted to delve in a little bit more into trauma-informed facilitation and consent. So I'm again joined by two panellists, different panellists. Today it's Ali Wilde and Terry Hewitt. Ali Wilde is a sexual wellness and trauma resolution guide. Terry Hewitt is an intimacy and pleasure educator and coach. Well, our discussion today doesn't even touch on anything overtly sexual. Emotional safety is a huge component of their work. I felt enormously grateful to be part of this discussion with so many relatable points, both for facilitators and participants. If you enjoy this show, please rate and review this podcast as it helps others find it. So hi, welcome to Unraveling Midlife. It's so great to have you here, Ellie and Terry. And as you know, we had an eclipse special that talked about ethics and power with the Scorpio new moon solar eclipse. Um, and now we're kind of coming to that full moon lunar eclipse and wanted to kind of continue some of the topics that we started delving into um, because I know that you guys will be able to offer a really interesting view that is different from my experience because of the nature of your work and your your personal experience in life um, kind of getting more we started talking about um, facilitation and having trauma-informed facilitation and I guess those interactions between facilitators and participants of workshops or dance classes or study areas anywhere where there's that power dynamic between someone who's a specialist and people who are there to learn Mm -hmm. (laughs) like where do we start with that (laughs) where do you want to start (laughs) well what are your experiences as a participant or as a facilitator or as in that kind of power have you seen that happen I'm picking possibly yes yeah for sure I mean I can speak to it a little bit um from my experience with Esther um of, you know I was with them for 11 years and facilitating for a big chunk of that and um and for those of who don't know Esther can can you define yeah so it's it's just the international school of temple arts is what that stands for and it's primarily courses and workshops that explore the realms of human relating empowerment um how to live a life in 
love and freedom and power. I suppose that's the kind of lingo of ISTA. But I guess it's like people are coming to these places to learn about relating and sexuality and how to do that better. Um, and um, But one of the first things that kind of drops into my mind is as a facilitator, we sit on a couch and everyone else sits on the floor. And um, I was always really uncomfortable about that because it was a very, um, you know, it kind of made the, the power differentiation very obvious and very kind of like we're not the same as you. We're in this kind of more um, evolution, evolute. what's the word, when you're kind of higher evolved. up, somebody, if, yeah, more evolved position than you, therefore we know better. And I think that's a dangerous place to come from as a facilitator because the more the people coming can feel their own sense of autonomy and freedom and power and choice in relation to you and not therefore kind of like diminish their own worth and knowing and felt sense and experience it even if it might be in contrast to what you're saying or what the group's doing then the better that is and the more trauma-informed that is I think trauma-informed well <laughs> what do you what do you think about the word trauma-informed Terry what have you got to say on that one um yes yeah, so d I was actually just going to jump in. There was something else that came up to me, and Sarah, you know, you mentioned it in your in your intro, um, and it was something along the lines of of expert, and it's really interesting because I've been through ISTER as well, not as a as a participant, not a facilitator, um, but I've also had the opportunities of being held in really trauma informed, beautiful horizontalized spaces and a part of a big part of that is almost this sense of um the, the bit that's so important is actually taking the expert out of the person that's that's facilitating and actually coming to it on this it is it's almost like getting rid of all of the power structure and actually coming to it from this place of humanness where I'm not I might be a couple of steps further along my journey than you, but I'm not an that I'm not an expert in this in this sense of that everybody has their everybody is the expert in their own healing. So it's not like I, as the person standing in front of you, are the one with all the answers. It's the sense of actually the only expert on you is you and it's my job to support you to find out those pieces of expertise as such but not to come at it from the sense of I know all the answers um yeah and so for me trauma informed is actually about coming from this place of of walking alongside someone but being mindful of how trauma shows up in people's words and in people's reactions and sensations and feelings and what happens um, and, and being aware of being aware of those and then supporting people to become aware of that within themselves. How about you, Ellie Wild? What's your take on trauma-informed? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very um, broad, it's, a, it's a, a word that carries a broad range of ways of being with people in that kind of, healing and empowerment space so I mean I think trauma-informed when you when you become more trauma-informed you have an understanding of how people might behave when they're 
body's security system is feeling a level of threat and whether that's because they're in a group or room for people they don't know or they're talking to someone that they've deemed as in a position of more power than them or they've kind of come out of a bad situation and they're in front of you and they need your support um so it's it's having a understanding of a how the body security system works and how that might show up in various people and how to work with that safely and effectively and also educating other people that you're teaching or guiding that they can get to understand that in themselves as well Mm. Um, and just bringing to light all of the behaviors and all of the ways that we might subconsciously be um operating in ways that aren't serving us you know and if you haven't got that lens as a facilitator then um yeah I don't really know how safe it is to be guarding guiding people and Mm. teaching people you know some capacity of some kind of understanding of it Mm. of how to Mm. work with the you know the body security system and the potential things that can come up for people and how that might show up and how you might be able to guide them into a a more uh, safe way of being with themselves and other people. And clearly with things like ISTA, which goes into sexuality, and with a lot of the self-development, say, workshops, this, this is really big. And what I've been thinking about also in the last couple of weeks is how the how it actually relates to kind of the more mainstream um so I mean even in a business setting like so it's great that we're having these conversations and it starts to filter out because it starts to filter out kind of more I mean I was having a discussion with um with someone totally unrelated hobby of dancing and uh who who was talking about having to hold space for someone who was triggered by something with dancing and it reminded me of doing yoga teacher training and it was kind of unusual back I don't know 12 years ago um with that training to go through a module with if someone's upset you need to know who to refer them to and that was kind of quite novel and it's like how much yeah how can we kind of guide in a way anyone who facilitates I mean some people just have an innate kind of sense of caring for people um but others don't and I guess that's what's come up recently uh in New Zealand in media in social media around um some of some particular facilitators that are start, are being highlighted and I think it all kind of stems from that hash me too like it's kind of like the next level of hey we we get to call people out and yeah how do we bring society on on a journey to change from the grassroots I guess that's where we are <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think there's been a lot of really good intentions and a lot of um, people with a lot of passion around, you know, helping people evolve and grow and and lots of, um, you know, like really good ideas and everything. And to me, this is just a refinement of all of that and the, um, 
you know, more and more we're learning about, you know, the latest kind of information around um, not just neuroscience, but our physiology and how it works and how we might be able to work with it rather than trying to, um, you know, do things that sort of bypass it and kind of, you know, think ourselves better or positive think ourselves into a new paradigm and a new earth. It's like, well, hang on a minute. We've got to take our ordinary human existence with us on that journey. And it's what it's not what happens in the workshop that week or weekend. It's what happens following on from that and how well we can integrate it into our lives. And, you know, where's the support and the care out after these big transformational spaces where people open up and um, it's really easy to open people up actually especially people who are wanting to grow and willing to look at all their stuff you know it's actually really easy to take people into a journey where they open up uh, it's not it takes more skill and a more nuanced approach to help people integrate those learnings into their lives and to find you know small doable steps that help them change them you know change their lives or change their behavior or change their perception on reality or do things better or you know like it's it's that's the integration that, that needs a bit more care sometimes I think and also I think like our understanding of trauma is getting more widespreadly known it's not just a few experts now it's kind of in our lingo and our language and the all of the language around the nervous system like it's getting much more widely known that we need to work or at least kind of think about working with ourselves at a nervous system level and that's where I think the foundational changes happen is when we work at that level. So trauma-informed knowing that anything could trigger trauma and knowing how to hold space to help mm. someone integrate it which might also in include referring on to someone who's more specialized is that correct yeah I mean I think I think there's a bit of a confusion sometimes around what trauma actually is I don't know what you think about this Terry but a lot of people think of trauma as like capital T trauma you know when stuff comes up from the past where it's been you know like violence towards them or some kind of abuse or some kind of like you know but but actually we all hold trauma in our in us and trauma is simply um when the body security system has perceived something that's overwhelming and we weren't able in that moment to do what was needed to defend ourselves or to protect ourselves or we needed to shut ourselves down in order to continue on and there's many little micro kind of it can be a look throughout mm. our lives that build up time. Yeah, I mean, even um, most of us have a level of dissociation and disconnection from ourselves, just living in the modern world, just being able to function in the kind of modern way of living. So, um, yeah, it's not, not necessarily like helping people and supporting people when old traumas come up that are big kind of capital T trauma. I think it's more to do with um, helping people develop a deeper sense of feeling and trusting and sensing themselves and a better ability to do that, which is like the flash word for it is interception. So it's being able to, you know, interpret 
what it is that your body is telling you and your behavior is telling you or your, this moment is telling you. Mm. Most of us have a list level of disconnection around that. And um, people get worried about the word trauma and how to meet it. But actually, when you come at it from um, a more trauma-informed way, like, and it's met in that way, which is, you know, probably a lot of the work you've been doing, Terry, it's like compassion. It's allowing people to have whatever experience they're having and not making mm. them wrong. Mm-hmm. letting people know that there's levels of support that they can call in like learning how to stabilize and regulate yourself even amidst, amidst kind of confusion and chaos or difficulty you know mm-hmm. when you can meet like trauma or kind of perceived threat or when the body's kind of freaking out if you can meet it in that way then it doesn't sort of like take over the whole space doesn't doesn't need like extra care kind of you know it's it's like of course you know this is happening and um we're able to meet it with more um, would you have any tips for okay something happened and i froze so i've noticed myself if something happens sometimes i just freeze what are some strategies that I could use? Well, um, I think one of the most sort of groundbreaking things I've learned over the last three years is the importance of being able to self-regulate. So like it's, it's, it's just in that moment, even if you're feeling frozen, to tune into some part of you that you're in contact with or some part of you that feels you're connected to or some part of you that feels stable even if it's just the ground beneath you and then just hanging out there for a while and just waiting for um, what experience you're having to stabilize a bit or I mean when, when you say frozen that could manifest in lots of different ways it could be you know that you just feel rigid or it could be that you just feel um, disconnected from yourself. So, I mean, I think that's the other um, thing. There's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of approach. Mm, that's a really good point. Different yeah. things work for different really people. Nuanced. And yeah. I think, um, yeah, when we're going to do a workshop, focus on your breath. Might not work for everyone. No, no, and that's why it's a little bit more challenging in group spaces to take people into these process because we do need, um, like, people need nuance. They need to be able to do things their own way. They need to be able to trust themselves more, and they also want to be, you know, doing what the group's doing. But, um, yeah, it, it, there's not like a one-size-fits-all approach that we can take to these things. I don't know. Yeah, it's about having a toolbox of things that, and even the the thing that worked yesterday may not be the thing that works today. So it's about staying, you know, staying open to and 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 a large part of it. And what I notice in my clients is learning to use those tools outside of your trigger. Um, and this is about the practice and the neural pathway laying down those new pathways. Um, you know 
practice the breathing, practice your grounding techniques, whatever it may be, outside of when you need it. So that muscle memory and that neural pathway is laid down um, so that when you do need it, there's a, a higher life being able to access that part. So that's, yeah, dealing with trauma. We've kind of covered it a little bit as a facilitator and as a participant. What Another thing that I'm really interested in is um is what kind of kicked off the whole conversation in the first place was um around that power the ethics around I guess facilitators getting involved with um with participants in their workshops and that leads me to like c- consent as well um because Terry I know I did a really excellent consent workshop with you that you facilitated so beautifully on how to say no because I think in society um it's it's you just we brought up and I guess I speak for myself and perhaps for 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 others as well you you brought up um a female um to be a good girl and to be nice and everyone to like you and many of us become people pleasers and then spend our adult lives trying to kind of navigate this and how do I become myself but so that I'm not being a people pleaser and perhaps well, I'm sure a, a lot a lot of um, people raised as female would feel like that. Um, actually, I'm not sure because I'm not everyone, but <laughs> but with with that, um, I was wondering, Terry, if you could talk us through or, or comment on, I, I just remember that the way that you presented that, just how to say no really practically and I think it just really helped the way that you used your tone of voice and modeled it and do you have any other words of wisdom or can model how you would say no without perceiving offending someone or being scared of that Mm, yeah before I do that Sarah I'd really like to also um just highlight the fact that um, what Ali was talking about earlier, the difference between relational trauma and capital T trauma, and and, and that little piece that you just shared, you've just actually knocked a relational trauma on its head. I was brought up to be a good girl, and I was brought up to be a people pleaser. And so this is a manifestation of relational trauma and how it then plays out. And there's lots of different ways, but you've just given us a really beautiful a beautiful piece that then affects you. Um, and then if I go back to the no conversation and the reason this was really important for me is because I've got this massive, um, I have quite a big trigger around conflict um, and about and also about saying no. And what I notice in myself is that when I get triggered, I lose all the capacity for my language. And so part of you know, when I first discovered this, I was like, wow, this is so valuable for me because it gives, when my brain goes offline, which is a, a, resp- a response when I'm triggered, I don't have the language. So it's about how do we create the language? And so, and and again, because I want to show up as a kind human being, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to go rawr at someone. So it's about, um, you know, noticing my trigger noticing that I'm triggered, taking a couple of breaths and inviting myself, inviting the part of myself in that that is more self-led. And then almost, you know, a really easy easy way for me to do it is to put myself in the other person's shoes. And if someone was saying no to me, what, what would I like to hear? And it might be simply something along the lines of, hey, thank you so much for asking. Um, 
let me sit with that and can I come back to you if you need to, you know, buy some time to feel into it. Or it might be, um, hey, that sounds like a really great invitation, but actually I'm out of capacity this week, so I'm going to say no, but please invite me again in the future. Again, if that's authentic for you, it might just be a straight no. Um, so it's kind of learning to learning to wrap things almost with a, with a kind of a thank you and a recognition of what's been offered and then being able to speak into what my boundary is around that. Um, and then again, if I want to extend that invitation out for another time or another place. Um, but yeah, putting myself in that person's shoes is always really helpful. But again, it's one of those things that I, 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 I practice it outside of when I need it so that when it is when I do need it when someone you know throws me a curveball and I'm like I'm if I feel I'm a complete no to it um, then then I've got the language to say that hey thanks so much for the invitation but I'm actually a no to that right now Mm, I like that, that last one because I was like, hang on, how do you just do the outright no? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, well, the other right the other way to do it is no. Full stop. End of sentence. Which could work for a lot of people, but I guess anyone that's got that people pleasing gene of not wanting to sound impolite, wrapping it is a really good strategy. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, and also I think you know, as women as well, just to speak into the gender piece. Um, hormonally we're like and culturally we're kind of we're conditioned to accommodate others and estrogen offers us this incredible ability to be able to accommodate others more um and uh, you know we're made like that so that we can look after children i suppose and bear children and without that hormone we would probably struggle you know as a mother i know there's times where i've wanted to say no but i can't because it's like this little thing is dependent on me and I need to to do it anyway and so I think particularly for women like learning to bring the attention off of taking care of everyone else and you know taking responsibility for what they're feeling and orient back to actually being able to um, locate inside of yourself what whether you know what your answer is what your consent is and do I actually feel like I have yes in me for that right now and and you know for a lot of people for myself included just the practice of like coming back to myself again and again and again and seeing if I can actually feel on some level, whether I'm a yes or a no and what my boundaries actually are, because for many, many years, I just didn't have that. I just didn't have that in my experience. I just would, you know, accommodate other people and, and put other people's feelings and needs above my own, whether that was in my work, my personal life, in my family life, you know, so tangled up in probably like conditioning in England of poor people pleasing, but then also like the hormonal piece and then maybe some developmental trauma from when I was younger and not having my needs attuned to and so actually losing connection with what they actually are. So um, I feel like consent is a really big topic and part of it that Terry spoke to so beautifully is communication. Another part of it from my lens is embodiment is actually being able to come back to feeling yourself and identifying 
you know, what does a yes feel like? What does a no feel like? How good am I at perceiving that inside of myself? Do I give myself enough time in the moment to even sense and feel that? And if there is a disconnection, can I honour myself more when I'm put in these situations where I need to say yes or no and just take a moment to see if I can locate something? And if I can't, can I give myself some space and say, actually, I don't know? Like, um. I might be a maybe, but I don't know. And and so I'm going to say no right now because mm. I'm practicing getting, being able to sense and feel myself more deeply and putting myself first mm. for change. Mm. I love that. It reminds me of human design and how differently everyone's wired mm. to feel into what is what the authority is is telling them. And mm. I thought you put that so beautifully. Yeah. And in in terms of absolutely in terms of trauma informed, it's it's for me facilitation. That's trauma informed as someone that knows how to work, how who knows their system really well, and that can then facilitate that space for other people compassionately and not make any of their choices wrong. Um, that's the you know it is as Ellie said again so beautifully that it, it rests on the thematic understanding consent isn't something we think consent is something that we feel much like trauma we may it may start in our amygdala but it actually we feel it throughout our, our whole nervous system and I think if anything it's like you you have to you have to be able to feel your experience in order to be able to hold other pieces people's experiences in their bodies and that's for me that's what it's about mm. yeah another big thing I think as well while we're on this topic of consent and being more trauma-informed is a huge huge part of it is choice so that people when they're in your spaces whether that's one-on-one or whether that's in a group like people need to feel that connection to their own sense of agency and choice mm. And even though you might be taking them through a journey, every single moment they have a choice Mm. as to whether they want to follow your direction or if they want to challenge your direction or that there's just choice because a lot of the time, well, I would say every single time that trauma happens to us and it's like we don't feel like we have a choice Mm. and having having a choice is one of the first ways we can start to release ourselves from behaving in a kind of um, conditioned trauma response to life, mm. knowing that we can actually choose something different in the moment, even if it's kind of uncomfortable, even if it feels maybe even on some level kind of new or even unsafe, it can feel sometimes like a empowered choice doesn't always feel great sometimes it feels really nerve-wracking because it's new and it's it's like trying to orient ourselves to a very unfamiliar physiology that we haven't maybe inhabited inhabited that much because our conditioned response in some ways kept us safe and that's why we continue to do that because you know a lot of these behaviors and strategies around people pleasing we're endeavoring to make ourselves feel safe through that so when you choose a different pathway initially it feels really unfamiliar and it can actually feel unsafe for the person which is why it's even more important when we're educating people around these things around consent is to um 
is to let people know that they have choice in every moment to move in whatever direction feels good for them and um, that, that we're supporting them to find their agency and their truth. We're not taking people on a journey, whether they're coming or not, and some people manage to come along and others are kind of left hanging in the wind wondering what the hell, you know, it's like it's a different, um, I guess it's a different way of holding space because you're really trying to get the intelligence out of everybody rather than you're the intelligence and you're mm. telling everyone it's mm. like you no know, we might be holding the space but we're in our facilitation helping people to find the intelligence that lives within themselves mm. and you know encourage that it's a bit of a journey isn't it I mean I remember when I first trained as a as a yoga teacher um doing physical yoga but then I went on to facilitating with reflection and and symbolism which was an extension of that and I would have been I don't know 27 28 probably when I when I did that training and you know wanting to help people wanting to people to get out of it what I got out of it and and observing that kind of like oh hang on I just have to let people work at their own pace I can't force anyone um their, their path or or anything like that onto them so um it just makes me wonder you know there's definitely people that start facilitation with a strong grounding but I know that we never talked about any any of that though we it was kind of imbibed to us through I mean it was it was one where you had to have spent you know a good few months living on site at the ashram um so it was it was a little bit a little bit different I guess but can you imagine people doing a facilitator course that's short and then going out and maybe being a, a not the same kind of life experience to kind of even be aware that this could be an issue mm-hmm. great we're talking yeah. about it <laughs> yeah I think I think there's kind of this um, the sense that facilitation is really easy and I can be really passionate and I can have done you know I'm just really passionate about it and I've got all you know these tools and I can share them but there's this yeah facilitation if you look at the core of it like really good facilitation it has this huge amount of skills in it one of them being this yeah that this the space of how do I how do I hold space and come to it from my job is to walk beside you rather than stand up stand up here and throw my knowledge down to you um yeah really important and it comes back it's really important to be doing the work on self to dissolve any of those kind of egoic samskaras or (laughs) um imprints that Mm. Yeah, I think we have a job as um, facilitators to um, work on our own trauma. Otherwise, it just plays out in our group and um, unconsciously. Um, And, yeah, whatever's kind of unstable, unresolved inside of us will, yeah, like it's it's like we can never take anybody anywhere as as deeply as we've been ourselves. So. Um, if you're not prepared to do your own deep kind of personal trauma resolution and coming back to a place of 
um, you know, it's just grounded wholeness and capacity and resilience and, you know, that's really grounded in something very deep-rooted, then you, you're you going to have a hell of a time as if you embark on a facilitation journey. Um, you're going to have a hell of a trip around power. You're going to just, it's all going to come back on you at some point. And, and, not, and that's just from the facilitator perspective. But from the participant perspective, like they're just not going to really feel that great being in your workshops and they're probably not going to sign up to another one or they're going to come away feeling harmed and hurt and unseen and unheard and not met in the way they wanted to and maybe resentful. Worse still, they might come away feeling harmed and like they need to um, hold you accountable for it. You know, and as people get more and more educated around trauma and around harm and around, around abuses of power, yeah, it's time for facilitators to step up a little bit and kind of realise that it doesn't matter if you're, like Terry says, just passionate and you have all these skills, you know, how deeply grounded are you in your own sense of well-being and how well can you hold another um in in the in theirs you know and i think it all comes down to capacity like your capacity to be able to be with um conflict or chaos or um challenge or, or without wobbling with just like this deep kind of almost like grandma energy of like it's okay you know um We've just been talking about mostly like facilitating adults, but I just had a thought and, and so much compassion for like school teachers doing the same with and, and needing to know the child psychology, um, not just the adult psychology. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel for teachers in these systems because they don't, yeah, they normally look a little bit burnt out, actually, and a bit mm. disillusioned some degree yeah. wow so I was also just thinking how this is for the Taurus lunar eclipse and how the sign of Taurus is about security and so how much emotion maybe not so much emotional security but definitely like safety mm-hmm. and having that layer and, and how the talk about trauma-informed and and consent feeds into that and supports that at this uh this time the eclipses Mm. Mm. have either of you got anything else that you'd like to add on anything that we've talked about so far today Just that I'm really excited that this is a conversation that we're having um, and that I think needs to be a bigger um, societal conversation. It's, um, yeah, definitely something this that is gaining more and more traction and, and um, yeah, 
I think people need a, a deeper understanding of what trauma informed actually means and feels um, feels like. But it's exciting that it's that, that the conversation is starting to happen. Mm, it's definitely been a, especially with uh, with our Pakeha background, generally from the British Isles. It's like oh, just suck it up, you know, and and trauma that just abuse alcohol abuse violence that's just kind of coming comes through the not every family of course but many families and uh and how we are doing the important work of generationally morphing that and it's it's not a quick fix but at least we're helping out along the way there there was one more thing that I felt was really important especially um in sort of transformational spaces um and that is um this kind of like very old fashioned way of kind of catharsis and kind of just getting it all out and kind of almost like i think like this fixation on trauma release trauma is something we need to keep releasing got to keep releasing uh, and obviously um we do want to support people to complete you know whatever's happened inside of them that's got pushed down um you want to support them to allow that to sequence through and sometimes there is a release that's needed but actually what you know sometimes you can feel great after a big release um because stuff's moved around and everything but um the what's more important actually of working with trauma is building people's capacity and, and helping them orient back to this something that feels like a sense of wholeness and almost like your blueprint, like when that is strengthened and a bit like Terry was saying, these new neural pathways, a new type of physiology that is connected to health, that's connected to something that's innate and not affected by our conditioning or our trauma you know the more people can orient back to that and feel that and sense that then the more effective it is when they go into difficulty or trauma because then they're not so consumed by by the difficulty or the trauma because what can happen for people when they start working on themselves or their healing journey or their trauma is there becomes a fixation on trying to fix it. But that in itself is a trauma response because it's like, if I, I can only fix this, then I'm going to feel safe again rather than being having enough distance from it and being able to feel in sense, yeah, I'm a, you know, a whole human being and I'm connected to all of these things that give me support and give me a sense of wholeness and groundedness. And I have this difficulty here that I want to work with. Do you know what I mean? Like it's uh, it just gives a little bit more space, a little bit more um, distance, and and then when we go into it, there's more ability to feel it and see it, and intuit clearly what what it's trying to tell us and what what's actually needed. This catharsis approach is just um. Yeah, it's just overwhelming most people's bodies and nervous systems and it's not actually getting to the foundational roots of what might need to be released. It's just moving a lot of shit around 
It was like it's trapped in a pattern. Yeah, it can. I mean, I've definitely been in workshops where people have come back and come back and you can see right that this is what they do. They go into this particular response, this particular release, it happens every time and it's not changing and it's um it's looping like it's and so yeah, helping people and supporting people come back to something that's whole that's not affected by that and not having such a single point focus on what's wrong, actually feeling what's okay and what feels stable and what feels, you know, like, like health within them is, is really, really important part of working with trauma and really, really important part of working with people for stuff. Like um, there's lots of stuff like kind of like dissolution processes and death and get to let it all go and everything you can't do that if you haven't built a strong sense of self mm. first or it's just re-traumatizing people it's just mm. taking them more and more and more into what's not working and what's what not well and what's not okay guess you bring that back to that checking in embodiment oh what's is it a yes is it a no what what's the best thing for me to work through yeah not listening to the mind but listening to the body of mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do in life yeah. mm-hmm. wow certainly lots of food for thought I can't wait to listen again <laughs> thanks so much Ellie and Terry for joining me on this discussion and uh yeah hopefully our listeners um will be just as excited about as I am (laughs) thanks for having me thanks for having me Sarah Unraveling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com theme music is by Sarah Marlow Spence and Saraspati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn